Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Today, we have a great guest, Eliza Schlesinger. Uh, the comedian is uh, is going to be talking to me soon. She is a uh, she's an intense uh, comic, and uh, I, I, I've enjoyed watching her get funnier and become more of a fucking pro. When she, I, I worked with her years ago, years ago, down at the vine-covered La Jolla Comedy Store. Anyway, she'll be here in a little while. But I did want to say this. I, I was uh, pretty excited about this, that, uh, you know, I did a special. I did one a few years ago that's been on um, Netflix for years, Thinky Pain. I don't always know when people, you know, what they get out of listening to me or going to my stand-up. And sometimes I, I don't know what people know me for, and it doesn't really matter. I'm fine with being uh, a conversationalist on the podcast. I, I've, I've been a comedian more than half my life. It's my first love and passion. Uh, I'm an amateur guitar player. I don't expect a lot of feedback for that. I do a TV show. But the point is that my special, my new one, More Later, which I was very proud of and I worked hard on, uh, was released on Epics. It was produced by Epics. Uh, Bob Goldthwait directed it. And uh, a lot of people don't have Epics. A lot of people could not see the special. It is still available on Epics. So if you want to get Epics, they have a lot of other stuff on. They're doing uh, they're doing some original programming. There's more comedy on there. Get it. Get Epics. You know, I mean, they did pay for this special. Epics did a fine job with it. They, they did whatever they could. They provided me uh, everything I needed. And uh, we had a great show recorded live at the Vic in Chicago. And I set out to do something differently on that special. And I'll just tell you because the good news today is that from what I understand, the special, more later, my latest comedy special, is uh, today, as of today, available on Hulu and on Amazon Prime. So that means a lot of you who couldn't see it, because I didn't even know where to direct you. If you didn't have Epics, if it wasn't available on your cable or whatever, I didn't, I didn't know what to tell you. And I, I'll, I'll tell you why. Not the backstory, but but you know what's different for me as, as a guy who does comedy, but is you know, clearly at this point in my career, a little more well-known for this rambling and this talking to other people. I worked about a year and a half putting that set together and I did something I had not done that I had not ever done in my life. I had this fantasy in my mind. I always work kind of loose and I like working loose and, and I don't even mind doing that on TV. Obviously, if you're doing, here's the way it breaks down. 
Like if you got to do a Conan set or a Tonight Show set or, you know, used to be Letterman or, you know, Kimmel, whenever you got to stand up on a stage on television on one of those shows, you get about four and a half minutes. That's about, you know, for me, you know, five or six jokes. You got to tighten that thing up. You got to take the jokes out of context. You got to make that thing work in a four and a half minute, four and a half minute chunk. That's no easy trick. But as a comic who wants to do television, that's part of your job. Now, when you do a slightly longer set, like a premium blend, or maybe you get your own half-hour comedy special, it behooves you to structure the thing, but you got a little more opening. You can you know, move through stories. You can make connect the dots. You, can, you, can, you got a little more freedom, but it still has to be tight, and you should know where you're going. When you do an hour, you got a couple of options. Now, I've done several CDs, and they can be a lot looser because you can cut those down and, and uh, edit those a little more precisely and, and move through a few shows. But when you got an hour... Like I did Thinky Pain. For instance, Thinky Pain was probably about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes. I did that for Netflix and I went out of my way to stay loose and to move through things that I was working on and things that were tight, but none of it was new. With more later, I wanted to do a big theater show. Thinky Pain was for about 250 people. It was a small club and I wanted it to be that way. I wanted it to have that intimacy and I wanted it to have a loose vibe. But with more later, I really worked the material I did a tight hour or so, maybe a little longer, but I, I, you know, I repeated it, I crafted it and I, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to have points of reference that I called back later. It was really, I put a lot of work into it and a lot of like professional comic work and the type of crafting of a special that I, I don't usually do necessarily, or maybe I just don't say I do it, but this was conscious and I wanted to do it in a theater which I was not a fan of, not a huge fan of theater shows because I don't think they necessarily are as intimate as they could be. But there was part of me that said, look, dude, you know, you can, you can make a, a large space intimate, just, you know, focus. So the reason I want everyone to see it, aside from the fact that I did it and it's a comedy special is that yeah, I worked hard on it <laughs> and, and it was on epics and some people saw it, but most people didn't. And now it's on Hulu and Amazon Prime, and I'd like you to watch it. So that's my plug for me. All right? What else can I tell you? I'm just having some feelings. It's not because I'm old. But, you know, I don't have kids, and uh, I don't have a wife. And uh, I've had them, not kids, but wives. And I, I'm very happy to... To say that, uh, you know, recently, you know, I've had friends who have had children who have had some difficulties, um, relatives as well. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I get very invested in, in, in my friends' children and, and in them. And, 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 you know, for a guy that used to be so selfish, somehow or another, you, you know, and I guess this is the point of it, is that the more okay you are with yourself and the more able you are to sort of be in your own body and, and live your own life without deciding that it's not the life you want to live all the time or it's not quite right it makes you a little more emotionally available to experience some of the joys i imagine normal people have <laughs> people who have responsibilities and have had their own children and you know have to deal with that every day but uh i just found myself very moved recently uh by some progress that my brother's kid made and my friend's kid made like i literally get choked up uh when obstacles are, are overcome by uh others other people's kids and uh i, I don't even know why i'm telling you this <laughs> i i think i'm just happy that uh you know that my heart is connected properly it, it only took 50 years but but uh 
you know, be nice to each other, will you? It's very hard now, you know. We got a lot of things coming at us all the time. It's just an onslaught of garbage. And I, I, I don't know, man. It's just like, you know, when I really think about, when I pull out, because I can't keep up with anything. I barely keep up with, you know, with politics, with pop culture. I, you know, I'm very busy. And when I check in, it's sort of like, it doesn't take long to get caught up because a lot of it is, is just this onslaught of garbage. You know, at some point, we've got to pull ourselves away to really decide where our hearts are aligned. You know, what does it really mean? You know, the decisions you're making about the future of yourself, about the, the rest of the day, about your country. I mean, how much distance are you taking to really think it through without being pummeled by, by propaganda, by information, by other people's ideas? I mean, do, do you really know for yourself what the right thing is? for reasons that make sense? I mean, do you take the time to do that? How many of your own thoughts do you really have? I mean, if you really think about what the amount of information and the amount of access that we have is doing to our memories, I mean, is there a reason to even have a memory anymore? Do you have your own personal memories? How much of them have been annihilated by this uh, short-term cancer of immediate access to any information? Yeah, like porn too. Porn is just... Yeah, somehow, if you're not careful, it can annihilate your ability to interact intimately with another human being and just the you know, information in general. It's just as it's just in your pocket, on your phone, on your computer. It's just it's coming at you. It's coming at you. And most of our fucking identity these days. And I imagine kids who grew up with this stuff are a little more adept at that. But, it, you know, most of our identity is is based on, you know, how we reckon with the onslaught of information and how we can find our own thoughts within it. Sometimes I talk to people and I tell them things and a week later they tell them back to me like they, they thought of them themselves. What is that? That's because there's too much information coming in and you can't separate it. All you're doing is you know sponging up and taking in and, and it's, it feels like you're thinking, but I don't know if you're thinking. I mean, you know, fortunately, you know, I'm too exhausted and too anxious to engage with the pace of everything on a day-to-day basis and I try to figure out what the fuck I'm thinking. Am I having my own thoughts? Am I having my own ideas? Do I have things that I like that are truly mine? I believe I do. I'm working on it. Eliza Schlesinger is is my guest today. And uh, you can see her new show, Separation Anxiety, premieres on uh, March 8th on TBS. And uh, now let's uh, let's talk to Eliza. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. You good? Yeah. What? 
What are you going to just get all quiet now? No. Because we're on the mic and it's going to shut down? Yeah, I get just mm-hmm. shit in my pants right oh, before. come on. Whenever I follow you at the store, because I've been bringing you up for almost maybe six years now. Yeah. Or vice versa. I think I, think I always go, go before We go back and you. forth. Yeah. I've brought you up before. Our energies are so different. Uh-huh. And so whenever you are... Offset. Like I almost have to like do a smudge stick because I'm like I can't match that. Well, that's the best approach. Totally. I I mean I mean I've done the the other approaches. Like I'll just jump into that. Mm-hmm. Fucking that's no you can't do that. You can't. But what do you mean? I have a. What I'm you're intense and full of energy. Super intense and full of energy. Uh, I, like I move around a lot. I when I see you on the stage, you're almost always in a fetal position, whether erect <laughs> or horizontal. Yeah. And it's so introspective, and yeah. it's like real shit, and it's yeah. a lecture. And I'm like, I gotta a lecture. I gotta make sure I get in. Then you, on then the you come up and just like boom. I'm like blow what it up, up. <laughs> blow it up. Well, I mean, the first time I worked with you was what in La Jolla. Like, it, what, were you a child? Yeah. <laughs> it was my, my bump mitzvah gift. Yeah. What would the, when was that? Oh, I don't know. I don't even remember yes, that. Yes, how could you not remember? Were you were you headlining? Yeah. And it was, you were in the middle. It had to have been like... It had to have been 2007. Right. Yeah. That long ago. So you were kind of like a child in a way. I don't remember. And I feel so... Like, I'm big-timing you by not like, remembering No, but I remember middle. like your, your hair was different. It was. I think your family was there. Um, was Nick Youssef with us? Yeah. I was so nervous. I remember this now. I yeah. forgot that you were headlining. I was so nervous. It was my first time going there. Yeah. And and I my family came and I remember Why I think it? I texted you and Nick and I was like, We're gonna go to dinner if anyone wants to come. Like I didn't know the protocol. Or I don't think I texted you. I was like, What can I say to Mark Marin? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Texted Nick. He didn't want I was like, I guess it's I shouldn't bother anyone. I was so Oh, because so it was just like, like a big. Are deal. we all part of the same team? No, I wasn't staying in the condo. Was I? I don't even think I was. I don't think I was. I think I drove back and forth. Uh, yeah, and now it could not be less of a big deal. Well, wait. What, so, your what was your family doing in San Diego? My dad had driven down with my uncle, <sighs> and my brother was like, "I'll come because it's free food," and oh. they did a thing. I and it was your first. What wasn't your first comedy club gig? No, but it was my first time in La Jolla. Uh huh. As having like Isn't, my own well, spot. What's amazing about La Jolla is how did they? How was she able to reconstruct that dark, shitty energy and yeah. dump it onto a beach? Move it to a beautiful place. It's unbelievable. Away. It is, you know, maybe because it's a little removed from the beach and it's in a shitty old building. I know, but that building is not that old. It's just like it's covered in ivy. Yeah, it looks like, like the a earth, steakhouse. Right, like the earth wants to take it back. You, like, <laughs> like you just, it's like, how is that the haunted, most shitty looking place in the area? Yeah, it's the energy of the comics. It is. I don't know what it is. It was some like, it does feel exactly like her. Like that's yeah. how you realize that Mitzi had this weird power to bring that design and that dark. You walk in and yeah. it's just dark and weird. The whole theme, the whole comedy store, it's black and red. Black the and colors. red. Yeah. The colors Severe. of Satan. Yeah. <laughs> And inside, <laughs> the colors of our Lord. Yeah. And inside, it's like that weird Spanish tile. Yeah. Like inside looks like the lobby of a Mexican restaurant, like an old one. In in La Jolla. Yeah. Right, in the bar area. Yeah. But isn't it carpeted in the showroom? Like the, the stage is kind of shitty. It it's is shitty. shitty. A shitty red curtain or a black curtain? I can't remember. The This is a terrible... Wow. story but the that was the first club where i almost got into a physical altercation with an audience member with a, a chick or, or a dude I, it was well i thought it was a i thought it was a 
dude making noise. Yeah. It was like the last five minutes of the set. It's a it's long, the worst. It's the worst. You're like, if you only knew how close we were. Yeah, yeah. So we're almost out. I didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. And or he's making, me. Or myself. And yeah. he's making all these noises and he was doing it, you know, audience. Sometimes they do it to get attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just snapped. Oh. I think damn. at the time I lacked the comedic skills to properly deal with it or to really like stand I bet up for myself. You're great at snapping. I, I saw red. I bet I oh. jumped into the audience, which is a foot drop from the stage. Yeah. I threw ta- threw tables i like pushed them out of the way got right in there i got in there and the guy gave up his girl he goes it's her thinking right. i don't know threw her I, right under the bus and all i remember thinking was if i hit her i'm in trouble but if i get her to hit me she's in trouble so and i, I can her, hit her i bopped her if you did bopped her on the shoulder no oh go, that was it what am i gonna do i don't I went know to private school what am i gonna do punch her no but i mean were you saying you fucking cunt no i was like what's your fucking problem and i bopped her trying the- to get her to like hit me back and then they broke it up but i was amped like i was like i will see you in the parking lot and mark ellis was like no we're not going to the parking lot. oh my god i was so angry what where did, did did that happen a lot on stage for you it's that has not happened before i've definitely and i don't do this anymore how long ago was that oh god that, maybe like 2010 2011 because you're all full of uh, the beans up there you know you like you're you're jumping around you're talking fast you're making the beans. voices the, yeah it's like church it's like a like a Baptist church. No, but you're smart and you, you fucking lay out the words. Yeah. And you got, you know, good observations. You have like a, you have a momentum. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that you in some sort of weird rage would yeah. be nothing but entertaining to comedians. Uh, entertaining, <laughs> sure. I think also there's that, you have that energy. And when someone deigns to fuck interrupt you in the middle of this freight train. Right. No, I know. Believe yeah. me, I, you're talking. To, I know. But like, well, I, would, there... I would, I fear for the person who interrupts you. No, I used to like, I used to snap all the fucking time. Like, yeah. I have to consciously, like, sometimes at the store, and depending on how much coffee I've had, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it can still happen. Yeah. Like, because, like, you know, when you're up there and you feel like an audience is either resistant or difficult to manage, and there's part of you that wants to fucking unload, mm-hmm. but it ultimately doesn't have anything to do with them. Right. It's but, all you. Yeah, but you want to do it. You want to do it, and you want to. I've given. I don't get angry anymore if they don't laugh at a joke that like empirically works. Like if yeah. this is a, I will just be like, that is a network approved joke yeah. and you're wrong for not laughing. Moving on. And yeah. they like that. They like that a little bit of abuse. I, I think that like, uh, like having some meta commentary about what you're doing to sort of protect yourself from yeah. their judgment. Like, it you know, changes the energy sure. and then they get on your side. Yeah. I have two stock lines that I use. Yeah. And I, to address that they're not laughing the way I want them to. And yeah. it usually shakes them out. They're like, oh, oh I better pay attention. <laughs> While I'm ordering my drinks, <laughs> and they do, and they they get yeah. with it. I've well, done. Well, you, well, you just have, you got you know you're you're a big build person. You're big going build. somewhere. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a destination. Yeah, there's there's going to be a closer, a defined closer. Just sit tight, folks. <laughs> Don't fuck with it, and we'll but, get you there. So 2007, that's when I work with you down there. So when, what what's the? So that's it's weird. It's like eight years ago. Yeah, I how can't do that math. I trust you when you said eight. Right, <laughs> but I mean, how old are you? Does I'm, that I'm 32. Isn't that wild? I judge it all. I mean, to be doing that, I remember last comic standing was 2008. So I can always remember what came on either side of that. Yeah, but where the where did you come from? Where did I come from? Yeah, I mean, like what, like why? Because like back then, I'm like, she seems to have something. Why? Why don't I know her? Thank you. And then like, and then I feel like I didn't see you for like a couple of years. I was and, just, yeah. Touring. And then like you all of a sudden you had long hair and you were grown up and you were pretty and you had a dog. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck happened to that? Cr- 
I, well, the hair was extensions because I was on a TV show. Oh, because like when I met, remember you like for some reason it was almost feathered in my mind. It was not feather. <laughs> it wasn't Tommy. <laughs> feathered. <laughs> uh, I'm not Tom Petty. Right. Uh, although my hair does look. I'll show you when we're done. I'll uh-huh. take my hair down yeah. and I'll lay it flat. Yeah. I have the worst white trash haircut. It just grows into this like feathered. Right. So I'm it, not. It wasn't though. You're remembering it wrong. Really. I had very short hair. Right. I'm that remembering was it. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I had very short hair. Um. And that's it. And then I, after the show, I went on tour oh. for a very long time. And then that was the beginning of that. So, but where, okay. So you, where'd you come from originally? I'm from Dallas, Ugh. but I didn't start doing stand up till I got to LA. So you're from, you grew up in Dallas, Texas. Did you say, Ugh, after I said <laughs> I've grown to like Texas. People, that's the first reaction. It's a knee jerk thing. People like to shit on it, but it's a, it's a lovely place. I grew up in New Mexico. Oh so my I, God, really? Yeah, so like we were your neighbors. So we had to deal with you in your ski outfits. All right. right. <laughs> in like Ruidoso, I've been right. there. Ruidoso, Ruidoso. or Taos or, yeah. or you know, Santa Fe. Sure. Yeah, so my Texas- It's a regional word. Bias was based on obnoxious behavior yeah. on ski slopes primarily. Just, yeah. So what, what, was the, what was the deal in Dallas? How many brothers and sisters? I have one brother. Younger? My brother is two years younger, and he spends half of his year in Northern California growing acres of medical marijuana. And then he spends the other half of the year in Atlanta working in music. Parents are very proud. You both turned out so well with secure employment and education. Here's what my dad said about my brother the other day. My dad works for Principal Financial. I have a half-brother and a half-sister as well. And my dad calls me, and he goes on like a big trip every year for Principal Financial, yeah. for their top guys. And he calls, and he's from, he's a New York Jew, and he goes, you know, last year, it was in Mexico, and you didn't come. I'm like, of course not. I'm not going on a family vacation. I'm a grown woman. I vote. Yeah. I've got a mortgage. I'm not yeah. going. Last year, was in, it was in Mexico. You didn't come. The year before, it was in the Bahamas. This year, Emily can't come, and Brad is in college. And Ben, well, he's a felon. So he doesn't have a passport. <laughs> so you're invited. <laughs> Did you go? No, I'm not going. He's a felon. He's a felon. He's a, your brother's a felon. We know what he is. And is he really? Sure. Oh, you mean just like uh, he just can't get a passport? Couldn't. I mean, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. I think he's out. I think he's in the clear now. Oh, good. Uh, he's a good guy. So your dad migrated from Jews in New York to mm-hmm. Texas. To Texas. There's Jews in Dallas. Yeah. No, there's Jews in Texas. Yeah. The, the Texas Jews, we call them. But there's not a lot of them, and I don't think growing up it was like, you didn't feel part of it. But like, what, what, so did he move there with your mom? Yeah, my parents, I was born in New York City, and my parents are New Yorkers, and then when I was like eight months old, we moved to Dallas. Oh, it's for your whole life. My whole life. I, I wish I could say born and raised, but I kind of like that I was born in New York. Yeah, yeah, matters. you got to. I always thought you were from New York. I was born in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Another state I, people love to hate. Yeah. That's true. It's actually a very pretty state. It's a great state. Uh And a lot of good things come from New Jersey. New Jersey is like the heartland in a way for uh, rock and roll and a lot of stuff. Bruce Springsteen. And uh, the other one with the the three songs. Bon Jovi. Yes, Bon Jovi. (laughs) That's it, right? Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. It's It's enough. But did you have like family in New York? that you Did you have a connection to at least you could go to you see your grandparents yeah. or something? We would go. We go. We would go visit my aunt and uncles and my grandma lived there for a while, my aunts and uncles, and then they moved here. What I always think is so weird- They moved to California? They moved, sorry. To Dallas? No, to Dallas. Oh, um, really? Well- They my, wanted to be close to you. No. My, well, my parents got divorced. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then my mom's parents had moved. Like everyone moved, the whole mishpucha as they'll call yeah. it, moved to Dallas. I always think it's so weird- when you look at 
a family's attempt to exist yeah and how that dissipates throughout time like you have your parents and yeah. they were your age ones my age i guess they were it's young weird, ones, right and they did the best they could yeah and then it didn't work out and just all the things that befall those efforts does that make sense yeah you're being very diplomatic and mature about this well i just think like my aunt for example yeah uh, your mother, your father's sister. My, mo- my father's sister. My, yeah. da- my dad's family has like the dorkiest names. Oh like, yeah, I love it. His name's Fred, yeah. Arthur, Jerry, Lois, Thelma. Like nice. the worst names. Yeah, like the kind of names like an immigrant gives to their children because sure. they don't know they're dorky. Right. But, or they want them to be American sounding. Right. Better right. than Jacob, Judith. Right. <laughs> Just at least it's. I mean, I yeah. guess it was other time. But I always think about like my dad. Uh, so he lived here, and my 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 aunt Lois. I didn't, she was nice and she was married to my uncle Cliff who's a piece of shit and they lived in Florida mm-hmm. and we would visit them and, mm. and once in a while and then they lived on Long Island and like these are just memories you have. Yeah. And then one day my aunt got sick and my uncle Cliff without telling anyone just yeah. decided to move the whole family to Dallas thinking that my dad would like help take care of it. Right. And then she died like three months later. Oh, it's sad. It's what it's, but it's weird because like that's like a chunk of your life and your family gone. No one talks about it. She's got kids, but like they were not really communicative. It's just so weird to see a whole branch of a family crumble off. Yeah. And so. you didn't see them anymore? I never really. I saw them when they were kids, and I don't live in Dallas now. But you didn't grow up with them, kind of? Mm-hmm. They were happened later. And they're much younger than me. They're oh. like 11 years younger than me. Oh, it's so sad. It's just weird. It, well, it yeah. I mean, sad. it's very hard to sort of assess. Like, my mother was 22 when she had me. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. Were your parents young? No. My mom, I think, was 32 when she got That's married. That's reasonable. It's reasonable. My parents are a different generation. Are they baby boomers? Yeah, yeah. they would definitely be the well. They're old baby boomers. Old. My mom's like sixty. She's gonna kill me. Sixty something. Sixty something. You, they're ba- yours are baby boomers. She's a baby boomer. My yeah. dad's younger than my mom. I think my my parents are like the generation right before. The, maybe the so between the greatest generation of the baby boomers. Exactly. What was there? The the almost baby boomers. Just like still kind <laughs> of feeling yeah. reeling from the depression. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> But no, but it's so weird to think your parents as kids. I still have a hard time being empathetic. Really? I think it's really sort of what we're saying here. Like, how come your parents, what was the divorce? Messy? How old were you? I was seven, but so you, like whatever. Really? I uh, Were they just across town from each other? When I they mean, got did, a divorce? Well, I mean, did they live in Dallas? Everyone lived in Dallas? My dad moved away. He did? My dad got an apartment, which was cool because he always had Fresca and we didn't have soda in my house. <laughs> I always had soda because when you when you get a divorce, dad will buy you all the junk food. Yeah, just so you'll hang out, or and just so you're happy. And he doesn't yeah. care; he's a man. What's yeah. he gonna like <laughs> buy you like special lactate and stuff? He doesn't yeah. care. Um, and then my dad and my stepmom moved to Connecticut, um, and then I got to spend some summers there. What part? Stanford. Really? Like a nice part of it. Yeah. Like it had a nice yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he left. He left. So he's not in Dallas anymore. He's in. He moved back. <laughs> moved back for my brother. <laughs> <laughs> who needed like a father figure as we got to help that kid got to do something well that's fucking selfless of him y- i mean who knows who yeah. knows the real reason but i mean my brother then left my house and yeah. went to go live with my dad so i kind of became like an only child yeah my brother was like a couple blocks away you were with your mom it was my mom my stepdad how's that guy he's the best oh good randy's great and how's your stepmom she's great too oh well. i really lucked out yeah like they both are really lovely people and your does your mom's husband have kids? Yeah. And your dad's wife has kids? Well, they had kids. My dad and his wife had kids together. Okay, so you have a half brother. Yeah, and right. my stepdad had three kids from a period. I mean, they're older than me. One, oh, my two God. But we don't all get together. Like, we took, there was like one or two family vacations with my stepdad and his kids. But for the most part, like, it was just me. Yeah. Like, siblings, if I wanted them, like, rent a right. sibling. So you grew up mostly with your mom? Yeah. 
in Dallas. In Dallas. Now let me let me try to project a personality on you. Okay. You're very uh, entertaining and full of energy. You had to have been a jock, right? I every. <laughs> so here's why it's a complicated question, because I had a very not bizarre, but it wasn't a it was atypical. I uh I went to a private school. I went uh-huh. to a very competitive college preparatory private school. Yeah. So. And it was only 100 kids in our grade. Mm-hmm. So in your high school itself, there was about 400 kids. Yeah. So while we were really competitive and we played football and we had sports and did all that stuff. You played football? I played football. <laughs> our school, because everyone thinks Texas. They're like, was it like Friday Night Lights? Yeah. While our sports meant everything to us, we weren't in a conference with like huge high schools. Right. So, and we didn't have- You were in like the, 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 the rich kid private school conference? Yeah. It's called the Southwestern Preparatory Conference. <laughs> and we took it very seriously. So while it was like almost like a microcosm of experiences, right. there were no- there were no, no one got beaten up because everyone was there on their own academic merit. No right. one was there because of sports. There. For the most part, we would right. bust kids in, but you had to hang. We did. It was a little racist. <laughs> really? But it ha- but it was fine. Yeah. Um, you give kids a chance, and yeah. so uh, so I played sports in private school. You get to play. Yeah. You get to be on the team. Yeah. You may not be on varsity, but you get to be on one of the teams. Right. So I always played, and then I played lacrosse, and I was on varsity because it was a brand new sport. Lacrosse. I played lacrosse, and I with swam. the little netted. Baskets, mm-hmm. that and you got to move it back and move forth. It back and forth, so the inertia keeps it in. And you got that? I got that. I was defense, so I yeah. didn't have to. I hated running. You, I stayed by the goal. So you're like you're tough. You're you're. It's a tough sport. Yeah, it, and I very much enjoyed. What being was you? And you were a swimmer. I swam. What was your stroke? The breaststroke. That was mine too. Yeah. Yeah. You swam. I did. What's your split time? I don't remember. I don't either. I had. I know. All I know is that like I didn't do it at school. I did it at, in part of a swim club. Okay. So, so, so I you competed. Were good. Well, no, I don't know if I was good. I had a B time in the fifty breast. Never okay. an A time. Never an A time. No, but I I did all right. You were in the second heat. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just I, I I've never been able to function competitively. I think for swimming, it's very life or death for me. Like, losing <laughs> is just terrifying. Really, like. it is. I, but but I it think is. people who learn how to play sports can handle losing better. First of all, I enjoy. I hate losing more than I like winning. Yeah, like I, it's a, does that make sense? Yeah, and you know, you look especially in comedy. Like most comics didn't play sports, and while I wasn't winning any awards and scholarships, uh, yeah. it still teaches you you're a little more well rounded than the others. I, I completely agree with that, and yeah. I've said many times on this show that if you have kids, like get them just get them into some sort Anything. of sport so they can understand losing. You can understand losing. You understand what it's like to be a part of a team. Yeah. Um. In terms of swimming, you were never going to be good at swimming unless you started from a young age. Right. The kids that we started, like, they are all like, oh, I did a swim club when I was 10, and it sticks with them. Right. You. That's a skill, like, you have to hone from a very young age. Yeah, I was no never good at backstroke. That's in. It's only for, like, meaty, tall women. Yeah. That's a. That's not the way the body should move. <laughs> I don't know what Nazi invented the backstroke to get from point Couldn't A to point it. B. Couldn't do it. What's I'd behind always, me? I'd always turn over before I got to the edge mm-hmm. and fucking get disqualified yes the worst they tell you they're like you just know where the edge is because your hand hits it yeah, i'm like my hand is going hurt. like 15 miles an hour yeah i'm gonna really break something no i didn't i like fucked that. it all up yeah so you're lacrosse and swimming i did those pretty jockey there are the sports i didn't play field hockey i didn't basketball was tiring I tried. and i tried <laughs> i want i went to ku my freshman year before i transferred to emerson KU, what's that university of kansas really yeah and i thought when i got there because I was like, school's a piece of cake. I'll yeah. play some sports. Right. I walked onto their like lacrosse team. It was like a club team. Right. Um, because they didn't have a, st- a school team. And I played rugby for one week. So I did both of those. 
And Rugby, those, these are tough sports. That's why I stopped. Yeah. Those girls are like corn fed, like six feet tall, like fifth year seniors. Like we're going to block with our necks. I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing this for free. <laughs> Did and then lacrosse, I remember I showed up hung over to one practice and we're running drills and I was like, I don't need this. I'm not getting any money for the sport. I don't fucking <laughs> need this. Like to play anything. There's no, you're not helping with tuition. Why am I killing myself to play with a bunch of lesbians? This is so weird. I quit. How Jewish were you brought up? I had a bat mitzvah. Yeah, and that was it? I went to I had confirmation. I went to Sunday school. I went uh, to Israel when I was 16. God, you did the whole thing. Did the whole thing, but... How was Israel for you? What's your dog doing? What's his, What's the dog's name? Dog's name is Blanche. Hey, Blanche. Hi, Blanche. She's just wondering what's going on. Wait, you're one of these people that carries your dog around. You accessorize with a dog. No, hold on. I don't what? carry the dog. You've got cats, and I prefer that I... my dog not dismember your cats in your own home. Oh, you, uh, you're overestimating your dog and underestimating Whoa. my cats. That one with the one eye. The gray cat, LaFonda, would rip this dog La Fonda. apart. It would rip him apart, her. Blanche. When did you start doing this dog thing? I got the dog when I started touring. And I was like, I'm going to tour by myself. You brought the dog on I, the road? Is I this a the service dog. dog? Yeah. Yeah. It is? Sure. How do you... How do I get the letter from like a doctor? That's it. <laughs> Isn't a service dog just a dog after yep. a certain point? It's total bullshit. But what I believe is even more bullshit yeah. is that the airline charges you at all to take your pet on the plane. I have a whole theory about this because people get very angry that mm -hmm. it's a service dog because people have service pigs. Like the whole thing's out of control. And the airline will Is charge you. Is there a service you. pig? Oh, that was like a whole thing on the news a couple months ago. So I am so pig. out of the loop with the important topics. Any <laughs> <laughs> They're just like clickable headlines like on the side of like service gawker. Service pig. <laughs> service pig. The airline, I have an issue, not with rules, but yeah. the airlines will charge you 100 to $150 to bring a pet. Okay. What if you put it in a box and put it in cargo? You don't do that. No more. No one does that anymore, right? Not unless you're shipping a horse. Right. They don't do that. You can ship a horse? Yeah. Wow. I do it all the time. No, I don't they know. Can't. No, they I'm put just, them in the horse carriers. I think that's been sort right. of like, it's sort just of frowned before, upon. Before we you get all up on your uh, soapbox <laughs> about the justice the of injustice charging, of the injustice of charging for a dog, <laughs> I want to know what the prescription for this fucking dog is. What do you mean? Like, like her, what did the doctor write you? It is a, a, like a... The language is something like diagnosed with a low-grade anxiety disorder, and this dog is a this like this patient is under my care, and this dog is part of her therapy. A low-grade anxiety. disorder. I'm paraphrasing low-grade anxiety, but it has to do with anxiety. Generalized anxiety. Generalized, because you don't want to assign, you don't want to give me something that like if I run for mayor one day, they'll be like, it says on here that, that you're you bipolar, are, you're, you're schizophrenic, and yeah. you need a dog to talk to. So <laughs> I mean, I do. So she gave me something really like we all have anxiety. Yeah. But uh, general, have you ever been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder? On the paper. No, but I mean, was no. that from it? I've never seen a psychiatrist. Never seen a psychiatrist. You're so fucking well adjusted, Eliza. Oh, I don't know about that. What do you mean? Like, I don't know about that. You're just like a grounded and fucking jockey and you know doing the fucking thing. It's not at all. I'll tell you something. I'm, I want to know how you're fucked up. I'll tell you right now. I I can't. This uh, this hit me this morning. I have this thing where I go on dates with people uh -huh. and. I like immediately don't want to see them after we have like like an intimate experience. How not intimate? sex, not even sex. Just like making on the car? Yeah, like I dry just... humping, hand job, <laughs> oral. What are we talking about? I don't know. Okay, fine. I think also because they annoy me, I just I, I get turned off very quickly and it's not a rational thing, but I just if I don't get a text that I like or an answer that I like or I think they're being rude, I'm like, like fine, done. later, bye. One time I blocked a number because a guy said something that I didn't like. Really? I was like, I don't want to deal with you ever. He said that? 
Or you I just, just blocked, blocked him? It. And this is after one date? We went on a couple dates. I've told this story on my own podcast, but I will say this. I What's your own podcast called? It's called Truth and Eliza. Okay. So I'm just saying, like, I'm aware of the fact that I've told the story. We went out four times. Yeah. Lovely dates. Cool guy. Whatever. Um, what do you do? He's in real estate. Mm-hmm. And just to speed things along for funsies, real I was estate. like- Real estate wasn't a fucking red flag. Is real it? Real estate. But it's not like douchey real estate. Like, I couldn't be a personal trainer, so now I'm in real estate. It's like legitimate. I didn't so, ask. Oh, so you're porn. saying it's high-end douchey real estate. You mean it's not yeah. desperate real estate. He had it's other just hobbies. It's douchey real estate. Real estate, personal trainer, uh-huh. and jewelry maker. All three right. of those say to me the first be, option didn't work out. Right, it used to be travel agent, yes. yoga instructor, Pilates instructor. Oh, that just says acting didn't work. Sure, but mm-hmm. that's okay. That's okay. Some, some of those people are very helpful. He was fine. Um, but? But, so I, then whatever, I'm, I'm very okay with my body. I sent him, not a topless picture, mm. but like a half- like a shirt, like under boob kind of picture, yeah, yeah. right? Just, just to be like, hey, like, look, here are my you boobs. Like? Yeah, yeah, fucking. And he, I can't get over this to this day. He wrote back, "Me likey that picture a long time." Uh huh. <laughs> and I almost threw my phone in the uh, toilet. <laughs> what a mistake for the non-comedic personality to <laughs> right? try to be funny. It's not, but it's hacky. Yeah, like you're taking that from Full Metal Jacket. It's hacky. Yeah, and. I didn't answer, and then he wrote, hero. Yeah. Hero? <laughs> Come on. And I couldn't, so I didn't answer. Anything. And then the next day he wrote, why you no like me? And I was like, uh, why are you wouldn't. talking in China, Asian baby talk? I guess with the text, he didn't quite understand that he was bombing. Oh, but, right. You couldn't hear yeah, the like, cacophonous oh, silence. Right. And that's and, also, isn't that like a like a like something that was said in relation to a prostitute? Like, me love you long time? Yeah, it was a Vietnamese prostitute. Right. Right. And so... So it, that had other connotations. Just really. so many things. Yeah. I blocked. I was like, I don't want to see where this is going to go. <sighs> well, what was the last long-term relationship you had? I don't know. Come on. I don't know. I don't Why does everybody want to know these you, things? I don't. I never talk about this. I'm trying to find out what makes you human. Okay. We should have done a pre-interview. <laughs> <laughs> what makes me relatable. <laughs> I know it makes you relatable, but you do a lot of material about your experience dating, about, about like, and it relates, and a lot of women can relate to it. Sure. But what's the longest relationship you ever had? I've been in a couple of year-long relationships. Year-long. Yeah, and the last one was, the last long one was about six months, Mm -hmm. and I I ended that in March. Um, How'd you end that one? I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't working. That was the, one of the slower, more adult, like, drawn out, like, we broke up, and then we hung out, and then- It's hard, right? That one was just because he was so available, Mm -hmm. and so Mm good-looking, but- Ultimately, God, those are horrible complaints. How did you live through it? I didn't want to talk. He, I didn't want to hear him. I didn't want to hear his answers. Oh, to really? Questions. <laughs> well, could you could you date like a playmate? Could Mark Maron date a playmate? No. I've been hypnotized by uh, irrational beauty before. And then what happens after the hypnosis wears off? Well, what ultimately happens for me when I dated, uh, you know, uh, well, I married her. I became. Um, How'd that work out? Well, it didn't. But it wasn't me. Like, I became very possessive. I became, you know, uh, very um, sort of like, I don't know if it's obsessive, but I didn't I didn't understand relationship. You right. know, like, you, that there's like another person there that has... It's, but for, for real. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and I think the older you get and the more, I don't want to say hardened, but the wider your eyes are open to the realities of situations. Some dude scolded me yesterday, not dating him. He's like, you never asked me what I'm up to or what I'm doing. I'm like, we're not dating. I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> And I don't think, I think sometimes I display male traits. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you need to just be more open. I'm like, don't you think women get tired of being vulnerable all uh-huh. the time? 
Wait, how about a little? So it has to be about my how about, dog. How about a little? You have to earn it. <laughs> you have to, not you. How, how long does it take to earn uh, the openness? Of you, you know, you ever put your hand out? You know, you see a dog and you put your hand out yeah. and you let him smell your hand. Yeah, it's like that. Okay. <laughs> but if you're coming at me with like lines and weird, like you have to, and you're as a comic, you have to like suss people out. Like some well, yeah. people are. Me likey long time? Like, I don't want to tell you my deepest secrets. Look what you said to me, you fucking maniac. Well, well, I think maniac's a little much. Maybe Maniac. Maybe bore or... or, uh, Bore. Yeah. Uh, But here's the other trade-off. So you can spend your life analyzing these things and and looking for imperfections and all that stuff. The other side, I was out last night. Yeah. I was talking to a very attractive man at a bar. And he was... You go to bars? I went out. My I went. Jody Miller came with me this uh, to feature in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So we went out last night because it's a fun. But for the most part, I don't go out when I'm on the road. Well, you just do a one nighter. No, we were there the weekend at we, Zanies. At Zanies, it's great, right? I love it. It's great. I love Nashville. I love Nashville. Yeah, I love country music. Yeah. So what's weird is like you come off stage, right? Yeah, and yeah. you're a rock star, and mm. people want your picture, and mm. they bring you gifts, and it's like this amazing thing. And the club, I wanted to go to this club called Acme. So yeah. Zanies called and they were like, oh, we went ahead. We called over for you. Yeah. No problem. There'll be a line. Just go to the front of it and say who you are. Right. And I was like, cool. You know what? I don't give things chances. I'll go. Yeah. So I, I need special treatment too. I don't want to wait in line. I don't either. I won't right. go anywhere. It just as a girl, I don't want to wait in I line. just won't go. I don't I can't get to the front of the line usually. I can get on lists occasionally, but you I don't can, like You can get in. All right. Yeah, come on. You I interviewed the president. Let's I, get serious. Yeah, I'll drop that at, you should. at the true Bring this little bubble yeah, yeah. of things. Yeah, my little glass dome. And uh, I walk up to the guy, yeah. and and I just went, hi, we're from, and not even using my name because I didn't expect him to know who I was. I went, hi, we're from Zanies, and he wouldn't even look at me. He goes, don't know. And I was like, oh, God, this is so embarrassing. Yeah. I was like, we're the comedians from Zanies, and they called. He's like, don't know what you're talking about. I go, really? The word Zanies means nothing to you? And the anger is bubbling up inside me. And especially as a comic, you're like, what is the meanest thing I can say to you to make you want to kill yourself when you get home? Oh, you good. buck stick yeah. with like a, like a control mm. fantasy. Anyways, I just went, okay. That was it? You was didn't like, say Eliza I think under- Schlesinger? No, I didn't want him to know that I was the one cursing his name as I walked away. And I just, my tail between my legs, we just went to another bar. What? What was I supposed to say? What, well, this anger to me is very compelling. I what, was angry. I know. Because, but then I really Where'd thought about it. Where'd you dump that anger later? You just sucked it up? Come on. All right, so. Where did I dump it? Where, I, I, I came up with a couple of insults in my head, and then I felt <laughs> Wrote them down, I, made note of those lines. You know, you're attractive, but in a big city, you'd be about a four. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> nice one. Hey, when you're coaching your CrossFit class tomorrow, hope you think of your choices. <laughs> oh, Zing. Anyway, I didn't so say that. So what happened at that bar? So you said you were out at the bar. You had Go to the bar. Cocktails. Well, my point is, so you can spend your life analyzing relationships right. and looking for someone to mentally That's simulate you. That's what you do with your act. Yeah, but it's very hard to separate the two. Okay. If it's an authentic act. Mm-hmm. Of course, you understand that. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you can spend your life and you do. I try not to. Okay. Really try. My point is, I just end up talking to somebody very attractive, mm-hmm. army. He's from the army, infantry, obviously, mm-hmm. because he was retarded but so hot. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking like, this is the other choice. You could just be the girl with the hot boyfriend and you probably have great sex, but there's not much else there except for like your love of like Fridays. Mm-hmm. Could you do that? No. I don't know why you go to Fridays. I mean, there are like, and let's, let's, let's acknowledge that the word retarded is not a great word to use. I understand. It's a good word. I know it's a good word, but I, I choose not to use it, but you're fine with it. He the, was uh, not smart. Okay. Um, <laughs> But have you ever done that? Have you ever dated a dude that was 
I, I never talk about dating, and I, I don't. We don't know have why. to talk about it. I like talking about it because okay. I've never done it in my life. Dated? No, I usually I meet somebody in a non, you know, in a way that I, they know me or oh, no, don't don't close up on me. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm agreeing with you. So that's why I'm I'm just <laughs> justifying talking about it. Uh, but you can't seem to maintain a relationship for more than a year. But and I don't you think have that's very on, low tolerance. I be, but the low tolerance thing, and but I think you're quick and you're smart and you're agile mentally, I don't physically. Think, I don't think men enjoy these things. Maybe that's true. But that's not, you know, and to say I can't maintain it. I dated one guy who turned out to be a sociopath. I couldn't I really couldn't, for real. Or are you just throwing that word around? No, for real. Like what I were did the indicators? A, I did a. This is not happening about it. I wrote an article about it. Yeah. Wrote a screenplay about it. Really? Really got to get it out. Like a real one. Yeah. So no conscience, no capacity for empathy. Ice cold, everything. What, always from the beginning. It, at first, it was sort of this like Downton Abbey-ish sort of erudite, just kind of like yeah. Uh, held back. I don't know. Like he was, it was to me. He was smart. Yeah. And he was almost regal and just very cutting and yeah. witty. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Right. And he was very kind to me. He wasn't yeah. like if I fell, he would be like, oh, "Are you okay?" Uh-huh. But then it turned out he had lied about everything. But to have something like that happen. You know, that takes a chunk out of you. Oh, yeah. And so... A trust chunk. Well, but everybody walks around and they want women to be open and vulnerable and forever just like ripping their hearts open. Like, who wants to come on in? But like stuff like that takes time to heal and you're only in control of how it manifests itself to a certain extent. Right. So I really went out of my way not to take it out on anyone. Right. That being said, you know, if you beat a dog enough, eventually it's not going to want to like come out of its corner. Sure. So... The heart can only take so much. For real. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And, you know, so you meet these guys and this is the first. Where do you meet guys? Do you, I, are you on Tinder? No. God. I'm sorry. Do you do a J-Day? No. Do you, no. Were you too much of a celebrity to do that? It, it really, I'm just famous enough. Do I'm you, just famous enough that I don't get invited to like a Rolex gifting suite, uh-huh. but it just fucks with my life enough that it's a little <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not like on a red carpet. No, I know. I'm the same place. But uh, I just started a dating app. I'm not going to mention the app, but you have to like apply to be on it. And I did it because I've, at a certain point you can't keep dating people that you know and you can't ask your friends nobody really cares if you date anyone right so i took it in my own hands so it's the first time in my life where i'm actually going on dates with strangers versus like a friend setup or something right. I'm, I'm enjoying it yeah i like having men to text and talk to yeah and then you suss it out and you see who you like and you figure it out right um but honestly if because i know this is the podcast where people open up uh i it's something people have given me this feedback a lot lately where they're like wow you got a lot of rules and you are very black and white Mm. and i don't realize it and i think the older i get the harder it is to separate being a comedian from your actual i mean being a person but (laughs) but from being a person but like i look at your act and you and they're very similar like it comes from you it's not like you're up there with a banjo singing about vaginas not anymore right not anymore didn't work out didn't work out but um so it's it's hard to turn that off and especially you know, and, if one person criticizes you, then it's them. But if enough people saying it, and I'm like sitting here, my head is really, I'm like, what can I do to soften something that I don't even realize is coming out as harsh? Right. Well, I mean, it's also weird too when you meet people and they know what you do or they Google you yeah. or they go watch your, like what they're expecting or how do you know when people are, like you never know if people are like you because of your act or whatever. Sure. But I, also I think I think what? part of it being, I hate to talk about the female comedy thing because I've, I've had pretty good success with it. You know, you're... You're on the defense a lot. Right. And then so the question is, if you're not on the defense, what's going to happen? You're mm-hmm. like, well, someone's going to 
put one over on me or someone's going to say something shitty. I mean, I have memories of walking into green rooms and no one would look at me that I hadn't met because mm-hmm. male comics can be pieces of shit. Mm. But, you know, years of that, it takes a toll on a person in terms of rigidity. And so, you know, you try to leave it all on the stage and you try to leave it at a comedy club, but just that sort of armor mm-hmm. that is accrued over time from doing something this difficult. Mm-hmm. It's it's there. I think that's there. Yeah. But no, but like you're, you're finding a lot of success in a, in a business that's hard. And it, and I think a lot of it has to do with having those experiences, walking into those green rooms yeah. with dudes that you know, probably, you know, some of them over the course of your life aren't even funny enough to have the attitude that they have. Right. It is sort of a boys club. There's no way around that. Sure. And, you know, once you get to a certain level, no one who, for the most part, the people that are my peers if, and more successful than me. They're not dicks. Mm-hmm. You're not a dick. Jim Jeffries is not a dick. Joe right. Rogan's not a dick. Because with success comes, you know, you kind of let your yeah, you down did a little it. Bit. You made it. Yeah, you, you you know, you made your bones. You paid your dues. Yeah, and you're doing well. So you know, there's respect, but it's a comics respect. It's not like that chick's all right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You work fucking hard. You work hard. And so I don't know. I don't have a. I I, I love my job, and I take dates to the comedy store all the time. You do all the time. You're gonna have to see the act at some point, right? <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of it. And yeah. I, so you may as well come. But I never say you have to. I'm and like, then by the third one, they're like, "Don't you do any new jokes?" Oh my god! When I was it's the worst. I whenever I bring my my girl to the the club, I'm like, "I'm gonna do a few of the ones you've seen." It's the it's, act. It's the act. Gotta, gotta work out the act. Yeah. I think it's so cute when they want to participate. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what would be funny? Or like, and they, because they, you know. It's, you think that's cute? I, I think it's I, cute. My initial reaction is like, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, what they'll do, I've noticed, and by the way, you don't have to come see my act, but I'll be like, I've got a set at eight. I can meet you for dinner before or after. I don't mm. drink before I go on stage. So right. if you want to get shit faced, we can do it after. <laughs> it's always a thing. Um, I, I imagine most of them would go with after. You know what? The older I get, the more like, I gotta be up early. I'm like, really? The thought of me taking my shirt off and making out with you half drunk doesn't appeal to you? Fine, loser. Yeah, gotta be up early. It's all of them. Yeah. Gotta be up early. And they, every, men pass out. I don't know what this is. Uh-huh. Once I hit 30, yeah. you make conversation with someone over text, yeah. no answer. Yeah. Sorry, I fell asleep. I'm like, this is like a diagnosed issue. Passing out. Like, you better not be driving a vehicle. But they'll come. And then after they'll be like, I noticed who, like, they'll look around the room to, like, help out. They'll be like, I noticed who was laughing at this right, joke. Right, right. And I think it's endearing, and I think it's a cute way to involve yourself mm-hmm. in something you don't know much about. Right. So I've never... And I something mean, you can never do. Ever. Yeah. Know it. Yeah. No. All right, know. so you go to where... So you went to Kansas University? University of Kansas. University of Kansas for a year? Yeah, and I transferred to Emerson in Boston. Emerson, the the comedian school. The Yeah, the fighting comic. That's our mascot. Is it really? It's not. It's a lion. I knew a lot of people went to Emerson. Is it still a good school for what you wanted? What did you study? I was a film major. Oh, yeah? Did you make little movies? I made a, I had a student film I had to make. How was that it was received? Yeah. It was, it, we got a good grade. Uh-huh. We had a lead. The lead was like a 40-year-old man. He dropped out the day before. So we Local put, Boston actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We just had to put a mustache on someone who was like 19. Because to us, like mustaches were mature sure. at the time. Yeah. And then we were like, fuck it. We'll all wear mustaches. Yeah. It was, it's whatever. I don't think the film teachers there give a shit mm-hmm. as long as you do the project. Were there any old comics teaching there when you were there? No. No. Oh. So what happened? So you didn't want to pursue film? You finished Emerson. Then what happened? I don't. Uh, well, I, I moved. I did a semester at C. Uh, so I graduated early. 
my mom would make me take for like your gen eds. She would make me take when I would go home to Dallas in the summer. I would take my gen eds at like a community college. What are those? Like just like little bullshit requirements, mm-hmm. like like a fine, like an arts one. So like I took like aerobics because uh-huh. it takes one credit, but that's right. a couple thousand dollars you save your parents. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I graduated early. I did a semester at CSU so going on a boat around the world with 600 other kids. Really? Yeah. How they was that? A, it was amazing. They did a, an episode, a season of The Real World on that boat. Theo Vaughn was on that one. Oh, really? It was like two years before me or yeah. something. Um, so you stop in like 14 countries. You get to see the world. Hammered. But you get to see the world. <laughs> yeah. You get to be drunk at the Taj Mahal like yeah. an idiot. Yeah. Um, All sweaty and hung over everywhere. I'm so sick. You were nauseous in so many parts of the world. So many, <laughs> <laughs> at so many holy sites. Um, and then you come home a little bit heavier than yeah. you planned. And I did the Emerson LA program. It's famous for you move to LA and you Emerson houses you and you take your last set of requirements at the Emerson LA Center and you intern in the industry. Uh-huh. And that's why Emerson is like so prevalent in the entertainment industry. Right. Um, oh, I see. So where'd you intern? I interned at the now defunct United Artists, which is a subsidiary of MGM. United Artists? Uh-huh. It's gone? I think so. Or it was, if it might have come back. It was in uh, Century City. That's so sad because that was one of the first studios. Well, when did the comedy start? When that bug hit you? So I always did uh, like improv in you high did? school. Oh, really? Improv. Like I was on the improv troupe. In Dallas? Yeah. Like, I was always funny. You right. Know, you're always funny. Yeah. People ask that. You don't just become funny. You yeah. are funny. I've seen some people become funny. Really? In comedy? Yeah. Like, hone it, but they always had something. I guess. There were people that I used to, the people I started out with where I'm like, how is anyone ever going to laugh at this? And right. then somehow they click in. Because there's a difference between being naturally funny and learning how to be on stage. And there are some people right. that I don't think could even talk to other people mm-hmm. <laughs> that became funny I on could do stage. It. But I guess you were always, there's always an inkling there. Sure. Like you want to do it. Yeah, I knew I was going to make people laugh for a living. So, of course, I'm in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas growing up. It's watching Living Color and watching Saturday Night Live and Kids in the Hall and stuff like that. So I was always into characters. And I did improv. You did characters? Like, I always liked watching characters. Right. And I liked sketch. Yeah. I loved sketch. And I would write sketches and we would film them in my living room. Yeah. We would do, like, we would recreate Saturday Night Live sketches. Really? And all my girlfriends, you know, they want to be lawyers and doctors, but they would come over and I would write them. Yeah. And we would do, oh. like, Cajun Boy and, like, well, other do you have these? Of, do you still have these tapes? On a, digitize, yeah, high eight. Digitize those fuckers. Oh. Put them up on your site. This Maybe was when that. I was younger. It was, like, blackmail. Yeah. And so we did that. And then when I got to Emerson, we I was in a sketch troupe. Yeah. And we were, like, the cool kids, which was my first experience with that. Yeah. And then when I got to LA, I had done a one-man show at school. That part's boring. What was that about? It was just, but it was- Lacrosse? No. <laughs> it was just sort of whatever you're going to talk about in college. Yeah. You know, if you weren't molested, then there's not yeah. a lot to talk about. Right. Uh, but that was my, and I've said this before, it was sort of my first foray from thinking in terms of a dialogue right. and just a monologue. Right. So I took a couple of those jokes. Yeah. When I got to LA, I was like, I'm going to do stand-up. Like, yeah. this is the next part in an evolution. Right. And I, I did it. How old were you? When I moved to LA? 21? 21. 21 Where'd you do stand up the first time? Room five. I don't know what that is. Above Amalfi on La Brea. Oh, I do know that room. With room. that giant yeah. glass five. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that. I think I had like a herpes joke and a traffic joke. Classic. And a pizza joke. Oh, yeah. Pizza joke. Was okay. Got everything covered. I know. And I did that. And uh, then they came up to me and the, the guy that was running the room and he was like, you're funny. Would you like to come back like next week or something? And then I just, without any goal... And without any knowledge of the workings of a comedy store, I never even heard of the Laugh Factory. Right. Never even been to the improv. Right. I just started gathering spots and just working hard, not toward anything. That's my alt rooms. Not even, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess they'd have yeah. to be. 
Um, Mike's. Mike's. And then the improv was the first club to give me a chance and put me up and send me out to feature. Where'd you go? I would go to like the local, like the, like Brea, Ontario, and it was always for black comics. So, Oh, really? So I would open or feature for black comics. For black audiences? Black audience. Oh, very black audiences. Really? That was how you sort of like got, you honed your thing? Yeah. Your loud thing? My first, my loud <laughs> thing, my no fear thing. Yeah, yeah. Black audience will let you know very quickly. Yeah, I know. Who like, who were you opening for? I opened for Mark Curry. Yeah. He probably would never remember it. Bill Bellamy. Yeah. Um, My first thing I ever won was the thing called the MySpace So You Think You're Funny contest. Uh-huh. And you send in a video of your stand-up, and I won. But my prize was getting to open for Bruce Bruce at the House of Blues. Bruce Bruce! He was on my TV show. And there's no way he would remember it. Yeah. Like, whoever Sweet came. guy, though. Yeah, fair. I mean, I didn't... I was not a part of the experience that night. I just Mark came Curry was a good comic, too. He I haven't was. seen him in a long time. He does a lot of improv at the end of his set, and he's a giant man, and he was really nice. Yeah. Um... Bill Bellamy smooth. Bill Bellamy was cool, and then he hosted my season of Last Comic Standing, so that was nice. And then I remember my first gig where they flew me somewhere was a club called Morty's. You ever been there in Indianapolis? I think so. Yeah. And they sent me to. I didn't go. I never been there. I know it. Yeah. They're like known for their pork chops or something. They sent me to feature for a comic named Todd Lynn. Uh, Todd, I know Todd. He's dead. He's dead. He had a baby arm. Yeah. Remember he had a baby arm. Yeah. Well, Todd had a lot of problems. He was really hard to deal with, but I liked him. He's he wasn't a, rude to me, but he definitely had a chip on his shoulder. Definitely. Uh, he wasn't warm, but I remember, I was like, I'm in the big times now. They've flown me here. They flew you to open for Todd Lynn. Todd Lynn. The cranky bastard he was, RIP. Yeah. Yeah, I, he was. Uh, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I always liked Todd. And it was, I saw him before he died, and he had lost his eyesight. Jesus. Like he, oh God, it's just like, I hadn't seen him in years. I saw him in Montreal, and he couldn't see. That's terrible. What a horrible, slow way to go. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what exactly happened, but, you know, he, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was a rough, he was, like, he, he was, he was tough on you. He was tough, and, like, I even heard him, he, I, at one point, muttering something, but I was like, oh, TV show, where's my TV show? Yeah, you know, yeah. it all comes from that, and in my darkest moments of anger, you know, it all comes down to how you view your own success. Uh-huh. But then it really comes down to after that how you treat other people once you're done being mad at yourself. So you, you get you do a big uh feature set for Todd Lynn where they flew you to Morty's. Yeah. And then like so when did you start working at the store? When did all that start happening? So you've been doing comedy over a decade? Yeah, it's about exact almost yeah, ten years. Maybe we'll maybe we'll go with ten. Maybe maybe I started at like twenty two versus twenty one. And you fucking never stop. You work hard. You work hard. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You wanted to be a comic. You weren't like trying to get acting roles. I have. That's the other thing. You know, I've auditioned for I've auditioned for almost everything. Yeah. Huge movies, test for TV shows all the time. But it's in that weird category where I've even had people be like, We're looking for an Eliza Schlesinger type. And I'm like, <laughs> or you could just give it to me. Right. Um but it's weird. My one of the things that I struggle is not the word. But for a comedian, I'm good looking. And somehow that works against you. Uh-huh. And people, like each year, like being fat is in, or ethnic people, or girls that have red hair, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't think the world has quite accepted that girls who look normal can be funny mm-hmm. versus having like a hook. So that seems to be something that I deal with on a regular but, basis. But you did all right with hosting and stuff. I hosted. I, host, I have a show coming out. And I hosted that one. I hosted a dating show, which is when I had my fake hair. Right. But, you know, we all get our, I don't know. Well, I, what happened with, um, like, so what What was Last Comic Standing like? Um, Like winning it? Yeah. Did that change things? It gave me a career. Yeah. I'd only been doing it for three years. 
And then I started last comic standing and then like literally you win and you have, it is up to you if you want to sink or swim. Right. And I had seen, like my friends that had won it were already professional comedians. Right. But you know. Yeah, it gives you a lot of people a second chance. Second chance. And for me, it was my chance and I just took it. And And you started headlining at three years? Started headlining. Really? I took the 45 minutes I had and I was like, I'm just going to make this work. Yeah. And you know, there's some. That's hard. It's hard because, and to this day, I guess I can say this. I've built my following solely on stand-up, which is, it's a rough path. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not coming to see me because you saw me on a show. Right. You're coming to see me because I've been to your city a couple times and I've like built that audience. Right. That's the exhausting part. Uh, well, that's old school. Going back a place two times a year, three yeah. times a year. And that's the only way to do it. And you got to have new jokes. New jokes. And then people, they want to know, is it going to be new material or old material? None of your business. Ugh, Just buy brutal. the ticket. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Netflix special exponentially grew that business. The second one or the first one? The, probably the second one. Yeah. Really did it. What's that one called? Freezing Hot. And it- What was the first one called? War Paint. Yeah. But it, it, you know, I look around and I don't see, sometimes I'll look at club lineups or like a theater lineup yeah. for months and I'll be the only girl on there. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's a very gritty existence. And yeah. it's a- uh, what do you mean to live the life of a comic on the road? I mean, it's yeah, you go out and I, I like it. You go out every weekend. Yep. And to the detriment of your social life at times, maybe your love life, you know, other things like that. And you're putting in these hours, the payoff being you one day hope to have comedy that's like always there. Like if I never, if I was only an actress, I'd have to move home. I've right. booked one acting gig ever. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, I have that. And it's never going to go away. Right. No, I I know that feeling. That's the sure way I think now. Yeah. Like, whatever it is, I'm still a comic, mm-hmm. even though, like, I didn't necessarily get the level of um, attention mm-hmm. that I got just from doing stand-up, but now people come to see my stand-up. Right. Because they know me. Right. Too well. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when you go to Nashville, did you draw? Yeah. It was, every show was sold out. I've got... I'm getting to the point now where shows are sold out weeks in advance. It's great. It's great. And it's, you would say a long time coming. That's totally relative. But, you know, it really is about putting in the work. And I see friends of mine, they treat comedy like a social scene. And I've never looked at it that way. And that's the difference between you and them. And that's right. the difference. And sometimes between, you know, understanding the job at hand. Like, yeah. it seems like you have a very practical understanding of it. Because, like, now there's a lot of people that are like, I'm a comedian. It's like, well, do you work as a comic? Not too much. Right. So what the fuck is that? Yeah. I mean, you're, like, old school in that, like, you know, you know that in order to make a living, you got a headline on the road. And in order to be good at it, you know, and comics come up to me. I know they come up to you. They're like, do you have any tips? I'm like, you got to get on stage. Yeah. I don't want to hear lot. that you're right a lot every night. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes with nothing to say. Yeah. It's like being an athlete. Yeah. You got to go to batting practice. That's right. And you have to treat it. I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's cool if your friends are there. If you know me at all, you know that I don't hang out at clubs. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell other women, I'll be like, get the fuck out of here. You don't want to be at the comedy store at 1 a.m. No, it's, it's something happens at no. around 11. Yeah, people get raped. <laughs> yeah, there's like, it's like a witching hour. The, the audience gets raped. Yeah. They have, they're exhausted and it's brain fucked. Totally. And, you know, that's a very special place. But in general, you want to hang out with your friends, fine. Do the work, leave. Don't date the comics. Don't hang around. And I understand there's a networking aspect that I've totally missed out on. I fully get that. I've dated comics. You dated a comic. Dated one. You you learned that lesson once. He was not a problem. Yeah. The that was we were never in competition with one another. But the what was the problem with it? There was no problem. The the problem, but the problem didn't. No, but I mean, but like, um, 
I guess that I, I wasn't trying to pry yeah. about your relationship, but did, did you sense it the way people saw you? Because mm-hmm. that oh, that's good. I remember one time the. I remember one time someone was like, she only won last comic standing because she dated Brett Ernst. And I'm oh like, God. I can't wait to tell Brett how much pull he has <laughs> at the network. And he's a good guy. No, he's great. Yeah. Um, You got to do the work. Right. And, oh, yeah, I'll see comics. What happens is you come in, there's there's classes of comics, right? Mm. You come up with your like class, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's weird because like, someone like you, we did La Jolla, I was afraid to even talk to you. Mm. That's now, always shocking to me. But sure. I get it. But that is Who's nothing. in your class? I don't know because <laughs> because of Last Comic Standing, you jumped ahead a little bit. Yeah, and there was not even necessarily in terms of I'm better than anyone, but uh-huh. in terms of like I didn't come up with anyone. Right? Maybe like a Cristalia because I remember we did La Jolla together. That's and, about right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I'm just trying to think of people I see a lot. Right. Um, but you know, you got to go out and you put in your work, and I see these like younger comics who will look at older comics and sort of emulate them. Mm. But you're all, they're almost emulating the energy and the attitude. That happens and for a while. And none of the work is there. Right. Oh, right. And they come on stage. My biggest pet peeve is this. Come on stage. You got seven minutes. And I come up with like a beer. Yeah. I'm like, listen, you're not Ron White. You don't need it for like the pauses. Put your <laughs> fucking drink down. Let's hear your jokes about being a stoner. Like this is not a relaxing thing. You're at work. Well, you, so you got to pretend that you're not afraid somehow. Sure, sure. Whatever you have to grip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever you got to hide behind to hide that fear. But that's an amazing work ethic because I think that's the truth. And I think that what's happened more than anything else is a lot of people will say they're comics and, they, and they're, there's no indication of that. Right. Other than they've gotten on stage a few times at bringer rooms. Yeah. But like to be a comic, you got to fucking do the job. And you do the job. You got to do the job. And I don't even think, you know, some if you're lucky, if you're lucky enough to be this miserable, then you're a comic. <laughs> well, you don't even know what it is. It's like, is it misery? I mean, you obviously have some anger issues that, you know, you, you're either going to resolve or you're not. <laughs> As I'm backing out of your driveway. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I'm not scraping your car. No. But, um, but you know, that, that sort of, uh, and also that determination, but who the hell knows why you get the bug? I mean, right. I like, you know, some people have and they don't. And it really determines who's going to really... You know, chase the fucking thing down and nail it. But sure, like because it's it's just it's almost it's not even an obsession. It's almost like you don't even have a choice. It's that's completely it. It's weird. You don't have a choice. It never occurs to us not to go do that right. third spot. It's it's weird. Not right? to take that gig. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a drive. I feel lucky that I have that. Yeah, because some people are like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I feel lucky that I have a purpose that drives me. Right. Um. In a, in a very weird way. Uh. But that really is what it comes down well, to. It's great that you're getting this draw now, and that like you, because like a lot of times, last comic standing, you go out, and then a lot of them people they fizzle out a little bit. They get almost that first, all of them, right? They do that headlining year, yeah, and then they don't generate new shit or whatever, or or whatever. If it's a gimmick, it dries yeah. up. But you know, you just sort of like you took it, and then you kept building. It's great. It's it's all, a part of it. I mean, there's hard work. There's also luck. Like you never know. But some of the best comics build followings uh, from comedy. Right. Like the guys who really sell the big tickets, yeah. they don't have TV shows. Joe Coy, Gary Goldman, uh, Brian Regan, like, Brian Regan, even Gaffigan for some degree. And for, while I'm not like in that pantheon, I still. But those are real comics. Sure, that's all comedy. Yeah, the yeah. gigs will come and go. The TV shows take forever. In the meantime, go like and have your actual career. New hour every year. Every year. Yep. Which is now even difficult because Netflix is so popular. I know. There's like a queue to get your special on there. Um, so what happened with the View? How'd you get that gig? Oh, the View. How many episodes? So were this you is on? so for people who don't know. I was on one episode. You get these gigs coming up, and you you look at people who have careers, and it's like, oh, he's the 
on TV. On on TV, and it's like, oh, he's the fashion expert or she's the chef. You almost very few of us get to dictate our careers. Like Leonardo DiCaprio gets to cherry pick what he does and what kind of actor he wants to be. Right. For the most part, we're like someone's like, hey, you're going to host a dating show <laughs> and you're going to be the comic that knows about dating now, and you have to work so hard to mold that. But you don't want to turn down the opportunity because right. I used to get those, and they and sometimes they don't fit, and your manager convinces you that mm-hmm. it'll be a good experience because you're going to be on TV, yep. you're, you're going to learn how to read prompter or whatever, you're going to learn the skill of hosting, mm-hmm. and they kind of sell you on this idea that no exposure bad exposure and then you do these things and you look at it you're like what the fuck what was was that yeah it wasn't even being funny what do i pay you for right i was just sitting there and i think at least in my head i always think i can make something funny i always think i can make it you underestimate the power of a shitty show i really did editing (laughs) and so i always take a thing i'm like you know what yeah maybe i could make Make it my own honestly every time you make it your own right except for the view right (laughs) it was horrible so they I took a meeting. I had this whole thing. I wrote a pilot for ABC, and so they wanted to like keep me in the fa- whatever right. in the family and all these meetings. And the executive there, who is who doesn't work there anymore, I took a meeting. I was very excited. I wore a sh- button down, and he was like, "Let's get you uh, one," because they were trying out guest hosts right. with their panels. Like, come sure. on, the View, and I want a late night talk show. It's what I've wanted from the get go. And the only reason I have a podcast is so I can work on listening to people. Right. Um. And so. I was like daytime talk show, and I always love the effervescence of daytime, like daytime variety shows. Yeah, um, no, they're great. And I was like, I think I'll be good. I think I'm, I think it could work. Right. And I was so excited, and I just bought a house. And like in my like most vulnerable moment, I'm like, oh my god, I just bought this house, and I'm gonna have to move to New York because I'm gonna be so good at the view. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'll have to be by coastal. Like I'm planning this out, uh, and they fly me there. <laughs> I get to the view, and my my agents there, and I get there. It's and a they, big shot. It's a big shot, and. You know, it's a show watched by at least 15 overweight black women at at, uh, noon Mm -hmm. (laughs) during the day. So I get there and they give you like 40 topics and I research all of them because I'm not about to look stupid Mm -hmm. in this segment. Do you overwork? Well, I just made sure I was prepared. Right. For some of them. And a lot of them are opinion based. So, and honestly, what they're talking about, there's never anything polarizing for the most part. Who are they? It's Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. It's Rosie Perez. Yeah. It was this woman... This white woman named Nicole Wallace, mm-hmm. who was like the Republican, mm-hmm. and it was Raven Simone. So I get there. Do you know Raven Simone? Is she the, what does she do? She was on that, when she was a kid, she had that show, That So Raven. She was a little one on the Cosby show. She was the, oh, yeah, yeah, one. okay, good. So I get there. I'm very excited. I don't like the And they're girls. regulars. They are the regulars. Right. Raven Simone mm-hmm. was not, and that's why this is important. So I get there, and they say, well, you're here on kind of an interesting day. And I'm like, oh, oh God, no, why can't God this just damn be it. Yeah. interesting? Today is the day that we announce Raven Simone will be a permanent cast member. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. not sure. Because she had been like filling in. She got the job you were supposed to be. Trying. In a way, in a way. And I'm like, okay, it was great for her. So maybe there's whatever, maybe whatever. So you want me to just go home? Is it- so they go, you have an option. You can either be out on the stage with the ladies as a cast member when we introduce Raven uh, and like welcome her as a permanent member. Or we can welcome Raven and we're going to have like confetti. It's going to be cute. And then we'll have you come out. And right. I said, whatever you guys want. Yeah, to shit on her party. Right. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm just trying to be easy and yeah, yeah, yeah. congenial. So we go over the topics. I tried talking to Whoopi Goldberg. She really wasn't having it. I went over to her and I was like, hey, you know, I, I watched your uh, documentary on Moms Mabley. And I think that, and I was just like, I, I loved it. I saw it on the plane. Yeah. And I was like, how, how was that for you? And she just looked at me. She goes, well, I liked it. And I was like, oh, 
Like, here I am, I'm a female comic trying to talk to a female comic. Did you say you liked it? I did say I liked okay. it. I was like, I really enjoyed it. And she, yeah. and I was like, how did that, I think I asked, like, how did it do? Yeah, right. And she goes, well, I liked it, which is code for it didn't make any money. Right. But it was such like an icy thing. And I'm like, fine, who knows? And I'm in her space and I'm cool. So what do you think? So I say, I'll do whatever you guys want. So they go, okay, you know what? We're going to have you out there when we announce the show. You'll walk out there with the ladies and we'll have Raven come on later. So they start the show. They're like, it's the view. The audience warm-up guy, everyone's applauding. So I come on stage. Uh, what's her name? Whoopi Goldberg's like, all right, all right, all right. Welcome to the view. Okay. And I'm like, all right, she's going to say my name. It's going to be amazing. Uh, let's get started. Today's a big day. And I'm sitting there. I'm sitting at that and panel. And Raven's done. They've done the She's Raven not there thing. yet. Raven's not there yet. Because I, I said they wanted me to come out with oh, the panel. Oh, oh. Today's a big day. I'm like, they're going to say it. I'm a guest host on The View. Raven Simone is a permanent host. Confetti comes down. Yeah. I'm standing there. No one has said my name. No one has introduced me. And I'm just clapping. She comes out. She hugs us. Still, no one knows who I am. And she came out. She brought us each food. She goes, I don't do gifts. I give food. And backstage, some PA was like, what's your favorite food? And I was like, I guess I like bacon. She goes, Eliza, I know you love bacon. I'm like, I don't fucking know you. And she just gives me this thing of bacon. Yeah. So we all sit down. I'm like, okay, now Whoopi's going to announce me. Whoopi's like, all right, let's get to the first topic. She wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't say my name. No one knows who I am. And there's five of us just sitting there. And every single topic, they either would like ice me out and not acknowledge me. Or if I made a joke, they would like try to point out why I was wrong. No one knows my name at this point. Still, no one has said this is Eliza oh Schlesinger. Oh, my God. To the point where, and then the commercial would come up, no one would look at me. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what did I do? I, 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 I'm just, I wanted to be a part of this and I was so excited. <laughs> and, like, to the, like someone made a joke about the cloud, right? And the joke about the cloud is that no one knows how it works. They right. made a movie about it. And so I made a joke. They're like, oh, we store it in the cloud. This is one of the stories. And I go, I go, right, because everyone knows how the cloud works. And Nicole Wallace goes, well, there are settings. I'm like, that's your, yeah. that's your input. There are settings. That's yeah. what And that was it. And the segment ended and no one would look at me. No one would talk and to me. And you were me. there for the whole show? I was there for the, the panels in the morning and then they each do. Then they had to move on to their pressing eight minute segment about oatmeal. Uh-huh. That came next. Right. And I walked out of the building. Like the next step would have been security escorting me out. None of the producers would say goodbye. None of the women said goodbye. What the fuck happened? I have no idea. And What'd your agent say? We, I, I was livid. <laughs> the angry one. I was. I walk outside. I don't do a bad job. Right. You watch. If I go on a game show, I go on things like it's fun and you have fun and they yeah. have you on because you're a funny person for right. a living. I've never done a bad job. I've right. never let anyone down like that. I consider myself pretty professional and I'm almost in tears, but I don't want that to happen. And I'm just, my agent's like, I don't know what that was. I'm so sorry. I have no idea. We're floored. I get a call from the producer. He goes, well, that didn't go well. And I'm like, why are you saying that to me? I didn't, I did my job and I didn't do anything. And no one introduced you. Nothing. He goes, yeah, here's what I think. I think, uh, I think you don't come back tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, can I keep the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> did they let you? Yes. You don't come back tomorrow. We're going to have you back in a couple weeks. And I'm listening to him and I'm not, I would have come back the next day just because I don't want to back down from anything. But I sincerely asked him, I go, let me ask you this. In a couple weeks, will Nicole Wallace be any more relevant? Will Rosie Perez be any smarter? And will Whoopi Goldberg be less of a bitch to me? The answer is probably no. And then the show like completely unraveled and he got fired. But it was, yeah, it was, I think those women, you know, everybody gets jealous. How long ago was that? This was a couple months ago. 
I think it I, I think I was hurt because I understand someone's younger than you or funnier. Of course, there's a competition thing, but especially as like another woman on a show that's supposed to be all about women. Yeah, they were so cold. And you don't think it had anything to do with the exchange with Whoopi initially? No, because I came up and I said I liked her documentary and that was it. That's so weird because this is one thing about show business that bothers me is that there's a lot of things going on we don't know about when right. we walk into situations. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, probably what happened was they'd given fucking Raven that job already. Yeah. And they didn't know who it was going to be, but uh, she must have done something right. And then they negotiated that deal mm-hmm. and you were still on the books and they didn't see any reason not to have a guest host. Sure. But, but whatever they were up to was probably over. I think there's that. There's also, I know that... Uh... I know that some people don't want to be on the show. The show isn't doing well. I think I walked into a storm. Right. So I didn't take it as personally. But that being said, like, if you're... And I've had this happen once or twice where you're a guest on a show and the host, for whatever reason, is having a bad day. Yeah. And then they make you pay for it. Yeah. Like, look, you invited me here. Yeah. And that's tough because... And it's a live show. You really could have fucking done something. I could have said some (laughs) F-bombs. It's one of those moments where as a professional or as a sane person... You're like, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yell at you and be like, hey, Whoopi, you're wearing socks with sandals, you maniac. Like, I'm yeah. not gonna do that. I'm just gonna walk away quietly and then go on a large podcast and talk about it. But there, there are those moments in Hollywood where you really, like, you could make a name for yourself by going batshit crazy, right? Or you could just be professional and walk away, and no one will ever see that episode. Yeah, it's a decision. It's a line in the sand. Yeah, what are you gonna? Do? <laughs> Good for you for making that decision. I didn't even draw the line. I just went home. You just went home. You could have been the chick that said fuck and lost your mind on the view. I don't think I'm that person. Like, I don't think I'm the person that has the freak out. I've had freak outs, but not like that. No. You know, usually at home in front of people I love. <laughs> right. Not as epic. <laughs> no. It's like a nightly occurrence. Well, what do you do with all this fucking, you know, like, I guess like, I don't know. You like, it seems like, you know, we talk a lot about anger. But like on a day-to-day basis, do you experience it or are you just like keeping your nose to the grindstone? I'm angry all the time. I'm angry and frustrated all the time. And it the only thing that sort of curbs it is the fact that it's funny. Like if I'm angry, something funny is going to come out of it. Yeah, I know that one. Angry or sad, you know, pain or anger, you know, generates a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so... But what's the source of it generally? I don't know. It's just a general frustration. Like, you know, like at Starbucks or wherever you go for coffee, you're like, God damn it. Like that. It has to do with, I feel social contracts get broken a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like I was on the plane today. Now look, the only one being harmed by this is me. Right. No, I don't take it out on people. I don't snap. Um, except yourself. Except myself. Right. But what are you going to do? And you might make people uncomfortable because you're stewing. Just ever stewing. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, like people are like, pot. what's her problem? Yeah. Yeah. But if you just come up to me, I'm very nice. Like yeah. I would never take it out on someone. Well, what about these social contracts? Social contracts. So like today I'm on the plane. Yeah. And the woman in front of me, it's a husband and a wife, and they have a baby. Yeah. I understand. Babies cry. Nothing you do about it. Yeah. I'm sleeping, and all of a sudden, I hear very loud the alphabet song coming from the woman's iPad. Right. She's playing it for the kid. Right. Put fucking headphones on your kid. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So the kid's not crying, so you're going to make everyone listen to the alphabet song? Yeah. Things like that where people <laughs> just, like, I try not to have much of a carbon footprint or a social footprint, and I try not to, like let my thoughts like hurt anyone or my actions that is so fucking rude yeah and i'm the only one paying for it because i have to now hear the alphabet song and lock into it yeah and just let it just destroy you it destroy and so you breathe through it but then like so so she's ignorant Mm. 
But if I say something, then I'm I'm at fault because she didn't do it deliberately, but I would be saying something deliberate. Mm -hmm. So then I'm the bad person. Right. What do you do? And these things happen, you know, it's easy to say let it go, but like I don't get mad in traffic or anything. It's little things like that where it's like in your space. Yeah, yeah. Like be, You have to understand what I'm saying. I do. Okay. But I do get mad in traffic. I still, I like, <laughs> even though I know that's something I have absolutely no control over, I still think it's uh, an injustice somehow. Right. And it's my shit luck. Like, and <laughs> it's just you. Well, that's it. Is it like, like, it's like, uh, like, I have to go back to something when I first got sober and my, you know, the, my second wife, who was a comedian, you know, like I'd get mad about something and she would go, just like your whole fucking life, right? <sighs> but, but, but it was the point was, it's like it, it, a lot of it doesn't have anything to do with you. Cause sometimes I'm like, I feel okay. You know, I'm not mad and I can make those choices. There's some party that's, you get something out of being angry. Like, yeah. You know, I'm not sure what it is and it's not a good thing, but you get something. There's you know, some like, endorphin, there's some yeah. good chemical released. Because if it was legitimately anger, because these all sound. But you're not like, miserable. No, I have. Of course, we all have bad days. No, but I mean, you're not sad. No, I don't have depression, and I'm right. not sad. Right. So, like, you know, there's some part, huh? Just yeah. Anger. I know, but where does that come from? I mean, I can't always track it. I have it, but um, it, but it's upsetting. So, what do you think is going to make you uh be able to be like, all right, I, I did it. I did it. I I would like. Well, I haven't had the thing. I haven't yeah. had like the one thing. Yeah. Tiny steps. I want a late night talk show. Yeah. And we, I've made. Or an afternoon talk show. <laughs> I don't think, I think I've been banned from the world of daytime. Um, <laughs> especially after this airs, so they're definitely never having me back. Uh, I, I've made maybe five pilots for that. Uh huh. People don't see that. That's the other thing. They don't see the pilot. People don't see your efforts. Yeah. They come up to you. Why aren't you on any shows? Why aren't you in a movie? Oh, You're I, like, that's my whole career. Try yeah. I mean, like. <laughs> Like I don't think I, I don't think my father thought I was doing anything that uh, of any importance right. while Obama was here. Oh my God, that's, I mean, that was a, that was a real red letter day for you. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah. Um, but people don't see that, you know, and they come up to you and they they ask you these questions that are so it's they, like they mean don't well. like. Well, they don't know what we do for. They work. don't know, right? And even to look at me and be like, "You work hard." It's like that's the tip of the iceberg. Right. They don't see you or other comics running to three auditions, two meetings, flying home early to get some sleep so you can go to another meeting Several to set up a Several pilot deals that don't go anywhere. Everything. Yeah. Nobody sees any of that. And a work. lot of times that's what funds most of your like day. Sure. Day, career. Yeah. I want a late night talk show. Um, and I think that I that would make me happy. Yeah. I'm very happy when I'm actively working. Right. Um, or just really the... And there's something frightening as much as we, you know, and even with me, because when I started this podcast, there's a, there's something frightening about only, there's something frightening and beautiful mm -hmm. about knowing you always have stand up, because right. like, because like sometimes when you're like, well, if everything else goes away, at least I have my stand up. But if you really look down that tunnel, it's an ugly tunnel. Sometimes of room service, yeah, and, and just sort of like, how long do you, how long do you, can you keep your audience? How you know yeah. what happens? It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Uh, it's comforting and terrifying. Right. It's like Stockholm syndrome, uh, and it is. Yeah. So what what do you got in the in the pipe right now? Do you got something going on? So that's the other thing. I always I'm always reticent to, and I will happily say them to talk about things. We live in a town where everyone's always lying, mm -hmm. and I never want to be that person. Right. One of my biggest pet peeves is when you see like an Instagram picture and someone will be like a picture of them on set and be like, stay tuned for next year, you guys. Yeah. Like, fuck off. 
show me the listing on the TV Guide channel. If it's not there, it's not a thing. Well, and I'm then, happy you know. for you. Well, thanks. You work hard. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Don't we have the same manager? Do we? With Avalon? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I had an agent for a long time. I mean, I had a manager that would get favors from agents, but I don't right. think I actually had an agent. I do now. Probably save more money that way. Well, yeah, I don't. You know, they, they'd send me out on one audition and then I'd be like, do I have an agent? I don't know if I have an agent. Yeah. That and makes it almost sound cooler that you don't know. I'm just so... Well, no, I, I guess it was cool. I, it was always frustrating. Yeah. Because I always thought, like, I'm, I just must really suck. Like, because it, it always felt like they'd send me out on two auditions and I wouldn't get anything. It would be over. That would be it. But now, in retrospect, I know exactly what was happening. It was you. No, it was oh. just sort of like no one knew what to do with me. And Dave Becky would be like, can you do me a favor and like take Mark on? It's and they'd be like, try it out. Have. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I, I it, ultimately, it, it had to end. And it, nothing happened for me until after that ended. It's, it's a. Looking oh. back, that's such a crazy long story. Like oh, yeah. your personal journey. Oh yeah, dude. I was with I was with fucking Becky for twenty years. And by the way, like we should all get awards for sticking it out. Like good for you for not moving home to Chicago to start a family. That unfortunately, when I looked over all my options, yeah, you know when shit got bad, yeah. there weren't any. What's it gonna? Say? It was like you know, it's like what am I gonna do? I'm fucking twenty years into this. Yeah, I'm in deep. What the fuck am I going to so do? So you're first, you're like, I will settle Eagle Rock. I will be a pioneer yeah. in Highland Park. Well, no, it was like, sort of like, how do you disappear? Because the pride element of it, yeah. which I think you have too, is like, if things aren't working out, there really, there is no plan B. There and you no. don't even know if your pride can handle that. I mean, imagine out of, if you have to survive, you'll figure out a way. But what a fucking heartbreaking bit of business that would have been. You'd have to move to the woods and work in a general store. Or just get a face change. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, get it. I would die my if 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 something happened and I couldn't for whatever reason. Yeah, I would move to the to the North Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and I would dye my hair black and I would wear glasses and I would work in like a craft store. Yeah, so you see, we have the same exit strategy. <laughs> You're my manager. <laughs> yes, craft store. Well, thanks for doing it. It's good talking to you. Thanks for having me, Mark. That's it. That's the show. She's intense. She's a lively, funny woman. I was glad I had her on. Go watch her show. It's uh, Separation Anxiety. It premieres March 8th on TBS. You can watch my special more later on Hulu or Amazon Prime starting today. You can go to uh, you can go to WTFPod.com for all your WTFPod needs. Got a bunch of posters up there. I seem to be in the poster business. Uh, there's a lot of posters. You can get a, get on the mailing list. You can... Leave comments if you have an identity on Facebook so I know who you are. You know, do the stuff. Listen to the podcast. Get pushed through uh, through a link to howl.fm for the uh, for the archives. Now I think I'll play a little guitar.
Boomer lives.